Digital marketing seems to be the mystery that most entrepreneurs struggle with, and real estate investors are no exception. The truth is, there are multiple avenues to success. Those experiences will be best shared by the guests on this podcast. My name is Jason Wright, and I would like to welcome you to Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories. What is going on, Jason Wright here, coming to you with episode number 28 of the podcast. 28 podcasts. That happened quick. Kinda. Kinda, kinda. As always. Anyways, great guest today. Got an interesting point I want to focus on before we get into that. So this is a, like many times, right? This is a conversation I'm having with myself right now. You just get to be the fly on the wall. Sound fair? So the longer you go into entrepreneurship by yourself is long. It doesn't matter if it's full-time or part-time, right? The longer you do it, the more you realize that the game, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. One of the biggest, uh, most laughable mistakes I've ever made is proclaiming to my wife that, Hey, even though I'm quitting an $80,000 a year job, which was good money for Indiana, you know, seven and a half years ago, no worries. I'll replace that monthly income in 90 days. To this day, no idea where I came up with that 90-day figure. I simply made it up. And it didn't happen. It took a couple years to get back to that level and pass it. So the timeline's unknown, but the fundamentals of consistent effort are, are just are critical, right? Because I was listening to a podcast by Eric Thomas, a really well-known motivational speaker, seven years ago. I was on the third floor of our old house in Indiana. I remember this video said something to the effect of, you are exactly where you're supposed to be right now. It's not based on what you did or didn't do yesterday or last week or the month before, but look at it on a bigger level, like the last six months, right? Whatever you're doing or not doing has led you to where you are now. And I was like, that's really interesting. So I made a decision at that point in time to work on certain things every day in the business and putting myself out there and creating content and trying to get in front of new audiences was a thing that I did. And I had a different podcast and I created shows for literally years without seeing anything come from it. And then at a certain point in time, one day, one moment, things started to happen. But again, based on all of the consistency and effort I'd put in up to that point when things happened. So just a reminder that the game of entrepreneurship, it's brutal because there's some things that you get into you don't anticipate, right? Loneliness, defeat, failure, 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 failure. And eventually, I don't know that you ever go numb to it, but you definitely develop a callus and you, you don't respond to it the way maybe it did years ago. So if not, the game will shake you out. It won't work for you. So anyway, remember, slow and steady wins this race. All right, talking to a man with a little bit of experience himself with entrepreneurship. Today we're talking to Sam Bates. Sam is a good dude, client of mine as well. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Bates Capital Group. Uh, he's also the principal and an advisory board member of a company called Systematic Capital. His real estate journey began in 2009. Uh, I can only imagine what the environment looked like back then, post-crash. It was pretty wild. I bet... You know, faith in, in real estate was a bit shaken and everything as well. Anyway, 
he's got about 200 million assets and assets that are management and about another 75 million in new construction for multifamily development. So see him as a well-versed dude, cool dude. Really great conversation. Let's check it out now. Hey, Sam, welcome to the show, man. Glad to have you here. Yeah, Jason, thanks for having me. And I look forward to talking to you and your listeners. Awesome. 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 So Tell me about the story, kind of how you began, how you got started down this road of real estate investing. I'll try to keep it concise, but I was basically in a consulting company. I didn't enjoy the work. I learned a lot. I'm grateful for being there. Met some great friends, but the actual work I was miserable with. And I felt like I needed another avenue to create income. I worked as an investment analyst in the stock market, so I knew I didn't really want to go down the stock market path. And I luckily ran into a guy who he asked me what I did. And I told him, and he started talking about real estate and being in Dallas, it's kind of the Mecca of real estate meetups and gurus. And I just started going to different meetups, the networking and started reading a ton this was pre really social media is like, oh, eight, oh nine. And I was going to meetups every night almost. And that got me into the door and then I joined an organization that did single family and multifamily. And I saw people that had no financial background, no business background that were buying 100, 200, 300 unit apartments. And I think that gave me the confidence to go out and do it myself. I like it. I like it. I like it. Very cool. So I'm kind of leading into my next question. Do you focus on one specific market, one specific asset class, like kind of walk me through where you're at with that right now. We do a lot, honestly. I mean, I've been investing since 09. So I started out in, well, as a limited partner in hotel and apartment syndications. Then I did single family and I did everything in single family outside of wholesaling. Then I joined a couple partners and we started developing, we did apartment, we did retail, we did land development, and we've kind of carried that horde. So we develop mainly DFW area. We have done outside, but definitely in Texas and then acquisitions. At this point, we've only done apartment acquisitions since like 2015 or 16. And it's throughout Texas and Southeast. We focus on secondary and tertiary markets and Kind of the path of progress we can't compete against trammel pro or jdi or graystar some of these massive companies so we want to go where there's development there's growth but there's a lot less competition and so far it's been a great benefit for us something i didn't address with my first question that you said that i liked is completely unrelated good job to you for being miserable and corporate and doing something about it how many people do we both know that are miserable in their jobs and their lives and they do nothing about it? It's like, I'm going to go to sleep and then I'm going to wake up and bitch and complain about the same thing again tomorrow and every day till I die. If it's enough pain, you think more people would like do something about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I don't know. I didn't connect the dots until literally this year, but I mean, my dad was self-employed. My grandpa was self-employed. My great-grandpa was self-employed or my grandpa was a business owner. And even though they were self-employed or business owners, they wanted me to get a good education, wanted me to go to a company and work for 40 years. And within the first week, I knew I wasn't going to be happy. Yeah. And 
And through that, I applied for, I don't know, 500 finance jobs. And this was 08, 09. I didn't get one, <laughs> one call back. It's not very good for your confidence, is it? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, I can't get a finance job. I'm just going to have to do it myself. But I stayed in corporate America really till 17. And by that point, I had been investing for eight years on the side. We had built up enough projects where is the make or break. I got a lead or we aren't going to be able to grow. So it's time to move on. I like it. Um, so let me ask you this. You've been in Dallas doing this for a while and 90% of people I talk to, whether it's on this podcast, whatever, either have an interest in Dallas or do something with Dallas. Have you seen the outside like investors in that market just grow exponentially every year? As far oh, yeah. as so um, I feel like in 08, 09, when I first started investing, everybody talks about Dallas was cash flow. And some people, especially in New York, California, they considered it a secondary market. And over time, now DFW, I think it's 8 million people, definitely a primary market. I mean, by 2050, we're supposed to double. You could argue we aren't cash flow at all anymore. You're definitely appreciation. And now with cap rates decompressing, with interest rates rising, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the values of properties because we just haven't seen that before. And it could have a shakeup. Luckily, the cost of living is still lower than San Francisco, Seattle, New York. But I mean, for a starter home in true Dallas proper, you're probably looking at 600,000. Yep. You know what's funny about that? Like whenever, anytime I hear something like that, if you look up in 2023, what the average household income is, most people can't afford that. Yeah. Like the numbers aren't there. You know, here's another wild example. Like I was talking to somebody about Wyoming the other day, we've got property there and we're going to build there at some point. And I love the state They're most tax friendly state of all, but Jackson, Wyoming, the average home value is like $3.4 million. But the average family income is like 170. So it's like, are people buying homes? You know? So it's like secondary homes from California money in the West Coast. And it's not primary residences, but it's just crazy to think about because it's like, yeah, most people can't afford that. So how does that work out? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's definitely an affordability issue across the nation. Yeah. But like in 2022, we sold about 150 homes and the average sales price was 509000 Part of it was we were buying during COVID, so all, all the supplies and products were significantly higher. But we made a conscious effort this year to reduce our purchase price because we know people can't afford it. So we're now in the three to 450 range. But even still, somebody that's and I don't know if this number is correct, but a few years ago, I read the average household in America made 53000 Yeah. It's a little bit more. Now, I think it might be like sixty-two or something, but it's not much. And even a family of four that's making 62000 can't afford a $300,000 house. No way. No way. Not unless there's an inheritance or something else happened, not in a normal situation. Mathematically, just done check, you know? So... All right. What simple marketing strategies have really helped you initially? Uh, what was the thing that really got you new investors coming into your world? Do you remember? Yeah, this was pre-social media and I didn't even know what funnels were. And it was just networking. I mean, I spent, I don't know, 10 years networking at least three times a week. And I met a lot of 
people through real estate events, a lot of people through just the, luckily I was in consulting and energy companies. So I met a lot of high net worth people that way, but I feel like it's made it easier and better now because you can do funnel, you can market on social media. Now you can be a million places at once in the past. It was difficult to be anywhere besides one. Yeah. I love what you said though, because I always love to remind people of this. There's no replacement for the, the human touch face to face. It's powerful. It's not scalable, but it's really powerful. Same reason I go to events. When I go to events, there's not usually another person selling active campaign for active capital raisers. Actually, there never is, but it's powerful. If I meet people that I've never talked to, or I meet somebody that I've talked to before, it's a great revenue driver for us. So yeah, you can do things online, but it's not quite the same as being face-to-face. It's definitely not. I went to an event in Houston probably five, six years ago now. I met a guy once. Granted, after that, we had, I don't know, I spent 50, 100 hours at least on the phone with him. But he's invested three or $4 million in multiple projects at best ever two years ago now. I met a guy who it introduced me to a landowner who I think we're going to get a development going. And if that happens, we'll make millions of dollars from that. So I get tired of going to all the events, but I have to remind myself that it can be very important to just get out there once in a while and meet people. You know, I always say one conversation can change your, your life or your business forever. So can't have the conversations if you're not where the people are at. Exactly. All right, this is going to switch gears a little bit for you. Now, what would you say the biggest mistake is you've made in regards to your marketing or biggest mistake or biggest regret so far? Honestly, not going to the digital marketing, not going to social media fast enough. And we still are trying to build that up. My two partners and myself, we don't do social media. We don't really care for it. Maybe just a little bit older than the social media generation and we hadn't hired marketing people until really this year. And we realized we need to get our story out. And I was at an event that you were at and the speaker was saying he had raised $70 million and a light bulb kind of went off for me because I mean, we've raised over 60 now and nobody knows who we are, but everybody in the industry knows who this one guy is. I'm like, he's yep. done a humble job to get out there to do it. And we've been successful with our network, but we need to grow it and not rely on that network. Yeah. The amount of money you raised is ridiculous. It's so much. And like you say, if nobody knows about you, they can't celebrate those wins with you. And I still do a bad job about doing it, but that's why we hired somebody to to help. It's like working out, you know, the key is consistency. Like you may not have the best workout every time, but if you're doing something Four days a week for six months, you're going to notice a big difference six months down the road. Same thing with with this stuff, for sure. Yeah, exactly. But I, I've told multiple people that, not even just in real estate, but multiple friends of mine that start in real estate or start in another business, like the biggest mistake. And I was like, you need to market from day one. Yep. That even if the, those dollars that you spend, they'll come back yep. double, triple, maybe 10 times. Yep. Absolutely. I had this conversation with my wife this weekend. I said, Hey, uh, we've got three funnels that drive really good leads for us, really good sales. And we don't do any paid ads right now. I was like, what do you think about turning on the paid faucet? So already knows these are converged. She's like, now's not the time. 
I know it'll work. You're traveling a lot till August 1st. She said, now's not the time unless you want to break, break the company. And I was, nah, I'll, we'll wait till the fall. You know, people will say organic versus paid. I like organic. It takes longer. But once you get it going, it's super powerful. Leads are usually much warmer to hot. But, you know, paid is great for once you find something that works, getting more cold traffic in front of what you're doing. So there's a time and place for both. But organic has been the slow, steady growth for us, and it's got us to a good spot. So we will check out some paid down the road. Can you share a story about your journey that you haven't shared publicly before on another podcast? Most people ask us to. We'll share something funny. Once in a while, we'll get something like kind of sad or sombering, but let's keep it light and funny if we can. Okay. I don't think I've shared this on a podcast and you might appreciate it. You might not. Early on, we basically traded out an RV park for a lot. And since we owned it by ourselves, we really didn't do any due diligence or like the typical analyzing that we would for any investor. Yeah. And we closed we realized the owner hadn't filed taxes in 10 years he basically said the reason he had to sell because he lived there and his wife threatened to divorce him if they didn't but we turned out his entire family was there they got drunk and high every night well one night we were having to self-manage it because there just wasn't a property manager for an rv park at least in that area of texas and i got a call at like two in the morning it's the cops they're saying this girl is yelling like bloody murder. She's having an abortion. Then later she came coherent. I, I don't know what, but wasn't high anymore. And she wasn't even pregnant, but there's blood all over our laundry room, our clubhouse. Well, not really clubhouse, but the laundry room, bathroom area that the guests could go in and use. And it's just eye opening a, to see like just people and how they live and the disdain they have for certain things and probably taught me to never buy an RV park again, but it was the easiest, smallest property we ever owned, but the most time consuming to deal with because it was tons of stories like that. A lot of drama. Yeah. Yeah. A lot did, of you, did you get rid of it? Oh yeah. We sold it. Good. Get it out of your life. Lesson learned though, but you know, nothing teaches you like experience. So there you go. What one piece of marketing advice would you give somebody else coming into the game now in May of 2023 in regards to marketing? If people are looking for passive investors, what would you tell them to do? I think it depends on how much capital they want to spend, but probably get out in social media is the easiest way to attract people without much cost. Yep. Since it worked for me is having the relationships and building long-term relationships with people that know, like, and trust you, because no matter how much you put on social media, I feel like at least for ourselves, I mean, we've raised a significant amount of money truly from people that we know that we call friends that are business relationships yeah. and then it's been referrals. And I don't know if you get that same attention with social media. So I think you need to hit both avenues. I think it's great advice. Absolutely. Yeah, sometimes people, they want to take the the shortcut to success. What's the easiest? What's easier? But easy is not part of the equation. It's about what's going to actually do it the right way. So I love what you said. I agree. All right. So as you look forward, and we talked about this a bit off air before the podcast, but as you look forward uh, to the end of the year, what are you most focused on in your business between now and December 31st? 
right now we have four multifamily developments going. So it's, we finished the horizontal construction and or finishing or just finished on all of them. It's going to go vertical. So honestly, just kind of focusing on that. We're selling a couple of our assets. So tighten up operations. And then honestly, I'm looking at other businesses to possibly buy to bring in and help complement our current business. We have 40, 45 to 50 employees right now. So we want to grow, but we want to grow smartly and make sure we aren't just growing to grow. So if it complements our current business, that's great. If it doesn't, then look for possibly other things to, to bring in additional money for ourselves and our investors. I love it. That's a true entrepreneur right there. Willing to pivot where it makes sense. Good stuff. For anybody watching or listening, how can they get more info about you or what you're doing? You can go to basecapitalgroup.com slash invest, or you can go to Systematic Cap. That's the other company in the website that I have. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Sam. As always, been fun, and I know people will get some great insights from this show. Yeah, it's great talking to you. As always, Jason, and look forward to seeing you again. Sounds good, man. Take care. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. I had a great time making it, and I hope you really enjoyed yourself listening to it. If you want to keep up with all things Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories podcast related, I encourage you strongly to go to reimarketingstories.com and signing up for our podcast newsletter. We will simply keep you up to date with what's going on with the show, new episodes, and things like that. reimarketingstories.com So hopefully today's episode and the other episodes that you'll listen to will remind you that as a real estate investor, everybody starts at the beginning, okay? Um, Our guest today and the other guests that you will hear on this show will share their real story, right? They'll tell you what worked, what didn't work. And I want you to remember one thing if you remember nothing else today. It's possible for you to, okay? Never stop going and keep following your passion. Finally, today's show has been brought to you by CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. If you're an active capital raiser and you're ready to learn the three areas that are holding you back from raising more capital, I strongly suggest you check out CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. Check out our free 10-minute video there, and you let me know if it doesn't provide you value. I'm sure it will. All right, thanks again for listening to the show this week. Hope to see you next time. Take care.